With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah. This is The Rich Eisen Show. Goats have home lives, too. Live from The Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Rich Eisen. Hello, Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen. Oh, that's Susie Eisen Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> the Rich Eisen Show. And now, sitting in for Rich, here's Brian Weber. Rolling into hour number two of the program with Verbal Pyrotechnics live on this 4th of July. Thanks for spending part of your holiday with us. 1-844-204-RICH is the number to call. Phone calls taken selectively. That's your caveat. 1-844-204-7424 as always. Twitter is your best avenue. Yes, there's some T's in there. Twitter, my favorite Franchise in all of sports, the Tennessee Titans. I just wish that Jason Witten had landed there. That's B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs, Rich off four. This week, back with you tomorrow, my good friend Dan Schwartzman will be in the chair tomorrow, and then I'll chat with you on Wednesday. Getting back to the NBA, it dominated the first hour of the program, but hopefully you've been with me every second of the way. I do my best to be up front I'm not doing three hours of rank speculation as to where Kevin Durant is going to be playing this season because this is not NBA radio and because it's a holiday and because I have other interests, strong opinions about other topics. So the NBA is our primary motivation. I am not coming in and saying, you know, there is a three-day cricket event I want to break down in India. We'll get back to Durant and Kyrie momentarily. But, for example, because nobody covers football better than Rich Eisen, the original broadcaster at NFL Network, I managed to last 10 months. Rich has been there since day one in 2003. Did you know there was a football champion crowned yesterday? Why do you think you're hearing all the fireworks in your neighborhood? The party continues. Yes, it's a championship for Birmingham, not Birmingham in the UK. I'll give you some thoughts about the USFL. I'm not breaking down the game. I watched bits and pieces yesterday. At least there was a crowd because they moved it to the Hall of Fame setting in Canton, Ohio. Can you imagine asking people to come out in the middle of a day in Birmingham in July? Birmingham, thank you. I am not... Your British correspondent. I do so much tennis where I have to talk about Birmingham. It's just in my head. Remember, it's Nottingham, not Nottingham. 
It would have been a billion degrees in Alabama, so they moved it wisely to Canton, Ohio. It was still hot, but at least they had a decent crowd. In 20 minutes, I'll just talk about the viability of spring football. Do we even need it? Because, effectively, the path to the draft has filled that void. Look, I'm old. I'm complaining about my sciatica. I'm having issues just hunching over the microphone to make sure I have the proper formatics here. I love the USFL in 1982. I will be reminiscing about the officials in shorts and your Oakland Invaders in 20 minutes. But since football dominates all of the conversation, with apologies to the NBA, which is our primary component today, do we even need a spring league anymore because the NFL consumes our attention year-round? And then coming up in 40 minutes, we're going to talk golf concisely in an entertaining fashion. My good friend Robert Lucetich is a terrific golf author. He is the man who came up with the book Unplayable, the definitive biography of Tiger Woods. We'll get the latest on Tiger's comeback Open Championship, don't call it the British Open, coming up next week. And the Live Golf Tour made their American debut over the weekend. Couldn't find it on your TV because they don't have a TV package. I was watching on YouTube Live for some reason, and they don't play Sundays. But it is intriguing to find out the unlimited dollars that the Saudis are going to continue to devote to this sham of a tour, in my opinion. I'll give you... The full analysis coming up in 40 minutes just to make sure we don't pay attention to their blatant human rights violations. As I get deep as a fill-in host on a holiday, back to the NBA. And however you view Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and yes, I'm aware of Joey Chestnut, we will talk about the thrilling drama of the Coney Island hot dog eating competition in the final hour of the program. Hang with us. I don't want you flipping around. ESPN has Wimbledon on, so if you're looking for it, it's buried on ESPN News with a replay coming up later today. But however you view Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, if you're a consumer of NBA content, and I love the NBA as much as I love the NFL. I probably shouldn't say that too loudly. I love the NBA. Shh. Because of the personalities. Because I think basketball, in many ways, is a superior sport. Just from a standpoint of aesthetics, man, the big words are flowing on a holiday. You go to a basketball game in person. Now, I know it's become very pricey. But if you have a decent seat and you watch these dudes, 6'9", getting up and down the court with grace, and they're not wearing helmets, they're not wearing shoulder pads, you can hear them with the trash talk. NBA is a phenomenal experience, plus, to borrow from the great Dan Lebetard and wear Stugatz when I need him, the NBA is fascinating because we focus more on the transaction than the action. The NBA is always about what's next, who's going where, which free agent's going to land and change the outlook of a franchise, and that's all we're doing with Durant and Kyrie. But if you want to bash them, and I certainly had some strong opinions about both of them, and now we're number one, more on the way. And I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen. We're live on the 4th of July. It's the Rich Eisen Show, one 204 rich Or come up with your thoughts on Twitter, Weber Weber with two Bs. If we weren't on Kevin Durant, watch, 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 watch. Or now, talking about Kyrie 
to the Lakers and planning another victory parade in downtown Los Angeles. At least that's the view of delusional Laker fans. What would we be talking about? Because as much as I was enthralled by whatever Brian Windhorst was doing the other day on ESPN, it's become the greatest meme in the history of the internet. I can't sit here and give you expansive thoughts about the future of the Utah Jazz or how Danny Ainge was able to fleece Minnesota. He got a king's ransom. That was the Herschel Walker trade for Rudy Gambert. And what about the future of Donovan Mitchell? That does not appeal to me. What about the moves that have already been made? Jalen Brunson to the Knicks? Okay, well, I grew up a Knicks fan. I'll put the Bronx accent that I worked so hard to lose back on. All right. What's that mean for the Knicks tangibly? They're the seven or the eight seed in the East? I think it's much more significant for the Mavs because what did we say throughout the postseason? Luka... While he does have some liabilities, he's very ball-centric. There's some Russell Westbrook to him. If you think when he gets his teammates involved, he's not only looking to create his own shot, that he can take a franchise all the way to at least the NBA Finals, he certainly needed more help. That was the conventional wisdom in the postseason. Well, he's just lost his second-best player. You buying Spencer Dinwiddie to step up if Luka is in foul trouble? What else has happened so far? Bradley Beal took the cash. Can't blame him. But don't talk about wanting to win. You could say he was loyal. He appreciates what Washington's done and likes that fan base, likes living in D.C. But he ain't winning anything, hanging on to a franchise in disarray. John Wall escaped from Houston. Most of you forgot John Wall was even in the NBA because we haven't seen him. The Howard Hughes of professional basketball. Nice move to add him to the Clippers. Give him some depth also because you can't count on Kawhi Leonard staying healthy. They could use another player in the rotation in the backcourt. Pelicans paid Zion, but they had to. And you can run through risk-reward there. Already injured, already dealing with weight issues. But if the Pelicans didn't sign him, they should shut down that franchise. You have to give the remaining Pelican fans, and if you know one, give me a call at one 204 rich but you got to give what's left of your fan base at least a semblance of hope. So you get the point I'm making here. This has not exactly been a scintillating free agent cycle. I have to give James Harden credit. And I was here on Memorial Day when I threw out my back a month later. I'm still in agony, but I'm working hard for you. And it's Brian Weber milking the injury, playing hurt on July 4th. Rich Eisen Show. We're live on July 4th. A reminder, you can take us wherever you go on the Odyssey app. It is free and it is very convenient. But Harden, for all of his issues, and maybe I should follow him and drop some pounds and my back will feel better. I have to give him props because he has proven to be shrewd and team-friendly by opting out to opt back in to give the Sixers more flexibility. So clearly that is a reminder of the power of relationships because while Harden has been enigmatic, he believes in Daryl Morey and they've worked together well in the past in Houston and now they have that bond still intact in Philadelphia. And Harden 
was smart enough to get out of Brooklyn and in many ways foreshadow what's going on with Kevin Durant now. So I realize many of you unplug throughout a holiday weekend. It's not over yet. And you have my official approval as the fill-in host mailing in the rest of the week. In fact, that's why I've always loved working holidays. A, I want to avoid my family. B, I want to be on the air as much as possible. C, when you come into an office during a holiday setting, there's nobody here. It's me and the great Art Hernandez running the board. We are defending the brand of the Rich Eisen Show. We don't need a big three. We got the big two. So if you got to work the rest of the week, mail it in and spend your time thinking about the future of Kevin Durant. So would he really go back to the Warriors? And if we're just talking about fit and trying to come up with things that work, not only in terms of the cap, but to meet the needs of the desperate Nets. How'd you like to be owner Joe Sy today? That's a fitting last name, right? Sy. Because he effectively gave control of his franchise to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Remember, they were going to do it their own way. That was part of the motivation that led to Durant leaving a phenomenal situation with the Warriors and taking his talent to Brooklyn because, in my estimation, two big factors kicked in there. He was tired of Draymond Green yelling at him, and I do think it's fair to say that Draymond yells too much, and you could say it's tough love. Nobody wants to be berated, especially by a guy who I think is being too caught up in his own BS. I think there's no way to deny the talent and the value, especially on that team, of Draymond Green. He has transformed himself from a second-round pick to a Hall of Famer. Doesn't mean I want to hear from him constantly. And we'll skip the new media, old media thing, because I'm sure he could take me down in a heartbeat. I'm just a fill-in host working on a holiday. But Durant has shown his sensitivity by having the burner accounts and responding to not only talk show hosts, but Twitter trolls out there. So that was one of his motivations. I think the other one was to prove I don't need Steph Curry. I can do this on my own. I don't need Steve Kerr. I'll go out and get my own coach. Now, I guess he looked around the league and said, who else has a first name of Steve? Because I don't know, beyond his Hall of Fame playing resume, what else Steve Nash has brought Brooklyn. You see a lot of tactical moves throughout that beatdown applied by Boston in the playoffs? Steve just stands there. I think he's watching soccer on his phone because we know he loves the beautiful game. So Durant is responsible for his situation, and now he wants out. But it's the NBA where stars get whatever they want, and that's not going to change. Unless suddenly Joe Sy is the person who's going to change everything in a league in which superstars dictate their futures. Because remember, Durant is under contract. This four-year deal is just kicking in. And the Nets could trade him wherever they want to. They won't because he wouldn't show up, but they can play hardball to a degree, or they can make him sweat. So the reason why I'm not doing three hours of Kevin Durant today comes down to a couple factors. I'm back with you on Wednesday, and I know this story is going to be advanced. It's July 4th. I want to have some fun talking about some other topics that interest me. 
And then, more to the point, I don't think this is ending anytime soon because there's no need to. Season doesn't start until October. And I know the summer league's going on, and we find a reason to talk NBA year-round much more than we used to because these guys are so darn interesting. But I don't think we're going to have clarity. And I don't think it's the Warriors, even though their package, quote-unquote, makes the most sense, certainly from a standpoint of the Nets, because they could come to Warrior GM, Bob Myers, and say, okay, you got Poole, you got Wiggins, you got Kaminga, you got Wiseman, you got Picks, let's talk. Don't you think it's more than a coincidence now we're hearing reports that Brooklyn, presumably, is responsible for percolating that, hey, Dallas might have interest in Durant. Philadelphia might have interest. Come on. And that's the same thing for Kyrie. You're hearing Kyrie now linked to a variety of franchises beyond the Lakers. So ultimately, I don't think anybody, Kevin Durant included, Wants to see KD back on the Warriors? Sure. Steph and Clay and Draymond would like to yell at him, but again, they would make it work, and they would be even more ferocious. I have not forgotten how amazing Durant was when he came to the San Francisco Bay Area. Yes, the Warriors just won a title. They would be even bigger favorites with Durant. But don't think it's going to happen, nor do I want to see it happen. So what's more likely? How about Phoenix? I don't know that Durant wants to compete against the Warriors, if I'm talking about sensitivity, that frequently in the same division. Plus, how much you buying a CP3, I'm not calling him the point god, what a ridiculous moniker, Chris Paul fell apart in the postseason. And he did it for the second consecutive year. Remember, Go back to the NBA Finals with a 2-0 series lead over the Bucs. We're talking about if Chris Paul finally wins his first title after finally breaking through to make the NBA Finals, is he a top five point guard of all time? And then everything changed. They didn't win another game. Bucks take it in six. How did Chris Paul look to you? Eyeball tests. No metrics. Against Dallas. It looked like he was 147 years old. But Durant plus Devin Booker. And depending on what else is left on that roster, because Brooklyn's going to want a lot back. Initial report is a couple All-Stars and a lot of picks. But Bridges and other pieces and maybe Aiton and a sign and trade. Still, Booker and Durant, a top three team in the West. How about Durant to Miami? Well, what are you sending back to Brooklyn? Are you giving up Jimmy Butler? I think you have to. But Durant plus the defensive skills of Bam Adebayo? Tyler Hero wants to be a starter. Kyle Lowry was a shadow of himself, but maybe he just needs to rehab and get in better shape in the offseason. I think that's, to me, the most logical and rational landing spot. All right, so what do we do with Durant on Miami? They're better than Boston. I think they're better than Philadelphia because I can't count on Embiid, although Maxie's terrific, and I'm starting to buy into Harden a little bit more. He had a couple decent games in that postseason loss to Miami, but I crushed him for the body of work last year. But is that Miami roster I just detailed better than Milwaukee with Chris Middleton healthy? I don't think so. So Durant's portability is fascinating, but tangibly, I don't think if he stays in the East, wherever he goes, he's going to be on the best team in the East. And the Warriors, as presently constituted, are still, in my view, clearly 
the best team in all basketball, and we haven't even talked more about Kyrie. That's by design. We'll save it for the final hour of the program. If Kyrie goes to the Lakers, Lakers are going to be jubilant just to get Russell Westbrook off the books and off the roster. What does that mean in a loaded Western Conference? I'd still have the Warriors in front of them. We'll talk about the other teams that I believe in far more than an aging and now injury-prone LeBron James and Anthony Davis who just can't stay healthy. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen. Phone calls a possibility. 1-844-204-RICH. Open for business on Twitter. B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs in 20 minutes. The fallout from Live Tour Part 2 in Portland. Were you aware they even were playing in Oregon over the weekend? And we'll talk a lot of Tiger Woods with the Open Championship, the British Open, coming up next week. Looking forward to chatting with my pal, Robert Lucevich, the terrific golf rider. Straight ahead football and I'm in a good frame of mind. I don't want to talk to Sean Watson. I'm just getting to a point of Watson fatigue plus unseemly details. You might have kids in the car. It's a holiday. So we will go old school. It's going to be good for my sciatica. I'm jumping into the hot tub time machine. USFL. If a football champion is crowned and nobody seems to care, can you really call the second version of the Old School League of Success. Talking football on the 4th of July and having a great time with you. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat, where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed
I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen. Always a pleasure to be in for one of the best in our industry. It's the Rich Eisen Show. We're live on the 4th of July. 1-844-204-RICH. Twitter's always a good place to get the conversation started before or after the program. That's B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. In 15 minutes, we're going to talk some golf. It's going to be entertaining. I have a variety of thoughts on the Saudi tour. And not to be too heavy-handed as a fill-in host on a holiday, just because somebody offers you a ton of money, you don't have to take it, especially if you're already rich. Now, Mickelson might need the dough. Allegedly, reportedly. Not the most proficient gambler, but we'll talk about the end game for the Live Tour. Magically, the PGA Tour found more money under the cushions. You notice that they bumped up the prize money moving forward. We'll talk about it with a keen observer of the sports. My good friend Robert Lucetich, for years, wrote for FoxSports.com. He's the author of Unplayable a fabulous biography of Tiger Woods, and we'll get the latest on Tiger, who is going to at least try to play with the Open Championship coming up next week. The old course, St. Andrews, which is flat, as opposed to just how tough it was to watch Tiger trying to walk at the PGA Championship in Tulsa before he tapped out. I will give you an update because now it's over. I don't think they're going to have a nine-hour post-game show, but you never know in the age of media saturation. And I'm going to talk about in the final hour of the program. If you ever doubted Joey Chestnut was an American hero, the reigning champion at the hot dog eating contest, Coney Island, New York City, this time showed up on crutches. That was the bombshell. Let me be Mean Gene Okerlund. Oh, what a bombshell for the press availability yesterday. Here comes Chestnut limping in to the press conference. The only details he would give the media was that he was dealing with a ruptured tendon. (laughs) But he said it wouldn't slow him down today. What did slow him down, because the final tally was 63. Remember, it's hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. Far off the... New record he set last year, smashing his old record. Every year he's building on it. Last year he got the 76 dogs and buns. Just 63. But a couple factors, and we'll talk about in the final hour of the program, not breaking down the particulars. We'll go frame by frame like the Zapruder film. Well, if you go to your Twitter machine, you'll see it. A protester jumped up on the stage, and Joey Chestnut, a la Chuck Norris, an American hero, effectively choked out the protester, grabbed this fella, threw him aside, then went back to the dogs. So because you can bet on everything now, what happens, and if you bet on the hot dog eating contest, you need more of a life than I do. But if you put a few bucks down on this, because you can bet on it, is this now null and void? How are the books going to handle this? Because The integrity of the competition was impacted by this protester. We'll talk about it in the final hour of the program. This worked out nicely because I did not want to do 10 minutes of memory lane. Although I have it all sketched out in front of me because it's always good to write out your ad libs. They sound much more off the cuff. But if you've heard me before, beyond hopefully my 
energetic delivery. I'm older than I sound, but you got to try to play to a younger demographic. And I love sports history growing up in the 80s. So, with year one of the USFL wrapping up yesterday, that's why you're hearing all the fireworks in your neighborhood. And I feel bad for your pets. Tough time of the year for cats and dogs living together. Your Birmingham Stallions defeated the Philadelphia Stars yesterday in Canton, Ohio. Decent crowd. Watched it. National TV. And the numbers have been okay. Now, one thing to factor in, a lot of these games are on legitimate network television. The old legacy networks. And Fox, the the fourth network, the latest to join the big three. But if you're on network television and you have the ability to reach everybody with rabbit ears, you should still get a decent rating. So I'm not going to hold any parades to celebrate the fact that the USFL generated what I'll call adequate ratings. But here's the question. And again, the preface is, I loved everything about the original USFL. Officials and shorts, two-point conversion. And remember, this is pre-expansion NFL. So there were more players available out there, and this was an NFL that did not want to spend money because they were trying to control the union, and an NFL that would not touch underclassmen. So here comes Herschel Walker to the Generals in the New York Tri-State area, Brian Sipe, and we'll talk about Jim Kelly landing there later. Jim Kelly to Houston, Steve Young with that insane contract. LA Express, they wound up playing at Pierce College, a junior college in the San Fernando Valley. And I think Steve got about $17 of the $41 million he was guaranteed. Mike Rogier to the Pittsburgh Maulers. I could do this for hours. How about Marcus Dupree, the best that never was, to the Breakers, who played in Boston, then went to New Orleans, then went to Portland. I think you're catching my drift here. I loved the original USFL, in part because of the star power I just delineated. Secondly, the quality of football was compelling, and that's the problem with this league. It's a lousy product. And you could tell me, hey, loud guy, whoever you are, if it's football, I'll watch it. That's fine. I'm not telling you what to watch or what not to watch, but don't ask me to care. Inferior product. And then secondly, did you know any of the names connected to the league beyond the coaches? I'll put it this way. If Jeff Fisher, Mr. 7-9, whatever the equivalent of that is, and the USFL is the face of the league, you got a problem. And I watched a little bit of the USFL at the start of this experiment. It's coming back because it's cheap programming. They're not paying these guys anything because these are refugees from the NFL, folks just looking for an opportunity. But... Paxton Lynch was a name, I recall, obviously, because he's a bust. And another example that John Elway, while a magnificent quarterback, could never get it right at the QB position in Denver other than picking up Peyton Manning. Rest of the league, largely anonymous. And I think the more interesting observation about spring football now, with a reminder, the XFL version 3 is coming back next year. And everything The Rock touches turns to gold, so I'm not betting against him. I don't think we need a spring league anymore. 
because the NFL consumes our attention 52 weeks a year. If I wanted to, I could have talked to Sean Watson in the middle of the last hour. I could do it in the next segment, and no program director in the nation would have an issue with me. I'm not doing it because there's nothing to advance the conversation, and I don't want to get into these horribly graphic details on a holiday. I'm back Wednesday. I'll talk about the future of Cleveland then. But because we're consumed by all things football all year round, I don't think we need a spring league anymore. And that was the difference in the 80s. Look, after the Super Bowl, the NFL went away. Nobody cared about the NFL draft, even 15 years ago. When ESPN was desperate for programming in the early days of the network after they launched in 1979, they went to Pete Rozelle and said, we want to draft broadcast. We want to put this on the air. And he said, why? Who would watch this thing? I'm reading names in a hotel ballroom in New York City. So the NFL has moved from, we didn't care about it post-Super Bowl until probably, if I'm going to be fair, the end of the World Series. World Series used to get massive numbers. Most people would finish up the baseball season, certainly watch your favorite football team, but the NFL didn't dominate conversation until the end of October, and now it crushes everything in its way. So that's the problem for the USFL. I think also the timing, they should have started right after the Super Bowl and not be playing on the 3rd of July. Way too late. Got to compress the season, and you got to find a way to have a local connection. I know why they played it in Birmingham because it's cheap to have a central location. I can't watch a football game with 17 people in the stands, especially when the product is lousy. And you can't tell me that the USFL had anything that really approximated real professional football on the field. At the same time, you got to watch something. And look, I don't want to be hypocritical every other sentence. Ask me to tell the truth. I watch the Canadian Football League just because I love all of the weirdness of it. And 17 dudes in motion. And the rouge. And the giant end zones. But that's unique. USFL to me was just crappy football. I'm Brian Weber. In for Rich Eisen. We're getting closer to the final hour of the program. We got a lot more business to attend to. Hour three dominated by more Kyrie and KD conversation. We're talking villains in sports. Like that knucklehead who rushed the stage at the hot dog eating contest in Coney Island. And the American hero, Joey Chestnut, wrestled him away. And then got back to the dogs and won the title once more. And we will also give you an overview. Did you know there is a year-round professional competitive eating circuit? Details I'm sure you will not find elsewhere because we're just that comprehensive. But straight ahead... A little bit of golf. After its second event over the weekend in Portland, is the Live Tour really a threat to the PGA Tour? Are you even paying attention? Plus, we'll come up with realistic expectations for the return of Tiger Woods getting set to play the Open Championship next week at St. Andrews. We'll cover it all with my good friend Robert Lucetich, golf writer, author of the book Unplayable, a fabulous biography of Eldrick Tiger Woods. I'm Brian Weber, having a great time with you. We are live on the 4th of July. I'm in for Rich. It's the Rich Eisen Show.
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Brian Weber in for Rich. It's a July 4th edition of the Rich Eisen Show. I do have the possibility of taking a phone call or two as we approach the final hour of the program. 1-844-204-RICH, the number to call. 1-844-204-7424 or Twitter's always your best option. That's B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. I talk golf selectively, typically only focusing on the majors, but... Since we have the confluence on a big word Monday of the Open Championship coming up next week with the return of Tiger Woods on the horizon and all of the back and forth between the Live Tour, the Saudi Tour, and the PGA Tour going on, I need to reach out to an old friend, a terrific golf writer. It is Robert Lucenich, the author of Unplayable, outstanding biography of Tiger Woods, Robert, we haven't chatted, I think, since the last major last year. How are you, my friend? I'm well, B-Webb. Happy 4th of July to you and uh, and uh, to everyone else out there. We appreciate you taking the time. So I follow you on Twitter, as everyone should. Don't mention that W word you just tweeted, but you <laughs> summed up the view out there that let's just say golfers have been known to be mercenaries. I'll clean it up. Over the years. So let's just start with your overview. We know that like every other sporting organization, the PGA Tour has flaws. But in general, can you come up with a way to justify guys like Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka leaving the PGA Tour to join the Live Tour for anything but a motivation of greed and grabbing every dollar they can? Yeah, well, I mean, we're talking about the filthy lucre here, and uh, that's, <laughs> that's the motivation. It, it, there is no other motivation. Trust me, if they if they came along and said, uh, "Hey, we'll give you give you a, you know instead of a hundred million, we'll give you a million, these guys wouldn't get out of bed for that. And uh, the reality is that they've gone because the money is stupid. It is so out there, and you're talking about guys whose use by dates. Have, have have largely expired. Phil Mickelson uh, just turned 52. I mean, he, he did obviously have the great, great PGA win, the oldest oldest uh, guy to win a major. Uh, but that's that's you know he didn't have another top 10 in that entire season. So Phil Mickelson is no longer a, a competitive week to week golfer. It's, that's the reality, and people aren't at that age. 
and and the rest of them that are in their forties, you know, they're looking to they're looking to kill time before they get to the Champions Tour. But I don't know that the Champions Tour is going to be available to them now that the PGA Tour has essentially kicked them out for for joining a, a, a Rebel Tour that. That, and, and remember this about the, the Live Tour. The Live Tour isn't there to complement the PGA mm-hmm. Tour. It's there to replace it. This is a hostile takeover bid, and the PGA Tour understands that. And, and, and all's fair in love and war, but there's a lot more war than love. Hey, we saw this in tennis decades ago when Lamar Hunt, who also owned the Kansas City Chiefs, loved tennis, came up with his rival tour. Jimmy Connors, other guys took the dough, and then ultimately when it folded, they went back to the traditional tennis tour. We're talking golf with my good friend Robert Lucetich. I mentioned he's a good follow on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter just by looking up his name. I'll spell the last name for you. L-U-S-E-T-I-C-H. Before we get into some of the details as to why this could be a viable watch for casual fans. Maybe they like the notion of three rounds or a shotgun start. The PGA Tour has responded, as you know, by magically finding more money for future events. So, Robert, in any way, does that validate some of the criticisms made by guys like Mickelson that the tour hasn't been responsive enough to the concerns of the rank and file? Yeah, absolutely. I And, and I think that ultimately what we're – what we're really seeing here is the resentment of a number of big name players who feel that they haven't really gotten, they haven't been able to control their their uh, their destiny, uh, certainly their financial destiny. And and I tell you, look, I, I've been around golf for a long time. It, it, players for years have been saying, why is it that the you know these these suits in Ponte Vedra Beach pay themselves these fat bonuses in the millions of dollars? It, when they negotiate sponsorship deals and contracts, why aren't we involved in this? And 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 you know it would be the same. It would be the, it, there's a reason for it, obviously, because look at the NFL or, or baseball or, or basketball. If you don't have a centralized authority, you're going to have mayhem. You you can't get all these owners to agree. You, it, it'll be it'll just be anarchy. So in in one way. You need the PGA Tour in, in, in the business end of it, especially to just run the game. But I also feel for some of these players who think, you know, what, we are we just are told how things are going to happen. We don't have any real input, and and live is is being run obviously by Greg Norman, who himself had uh, massive run-ins with the PGA Tour in the '90s. Remember, he was the second longest guy to, to be world number one. And, and really, he was the Tiger before Tiger in, in, in a lot of ways, the great white shark. And he felt, you know, show me the money. And, uh, and, and he felt that he didn't have enough say. And, and, and he tried, indeed, to put together a world golf tour in the 90s with my old boss and our old boss, indeed, at Fox Sports, David Hill, mm-hmm. who is producing the, uh, the, the coverage for, for Live these days. And they wanted to put together a world a world tour that would uh, incorporate players from all you know all over the world, and and of course the PGA Tour at the time Tim Fincham shut it down, and they shut Norman down, and then what did they do a few years later? They actually borrowed his idea, borrowed in, in quote marks, and it created the World Golf Championship. So he's been bitter for a lot of years, and uh, he, he found a way to to get his revenge here with uh, with with the Saudi backed money that he's got and he's got a lot of it 
and they're uh, and they're making a, they're really making a, you can't underestimate this it is a hostile takeover bid for the world golf tour I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen. We are spotlighting golf. I'm a good friend, Robert Lucetich, the terrific golf writer. Whenever I want to poke fun at golf, I say, who's watching the John Deere Classic? Well, it happened to be the John Deere Classic yesterday. So, flipping around, there's the leaderboard. J.T. Poston, who won it. Scott Stallings, the immortal Denny McCarthy. That does not do much for casual fans. So, Robert, how much should the PGA Tour be concerned about losing so much star power? Well, you've got to remember that Liv is, is, is hired a lot of people that work for the tour, a lot of people that worked in golf in various places and given them fat contracts too. So these guys know the game. They know that the, that the John Deere is, is one of the smaller events on the PGA Tour, and there are a number of them throughout the year. When guys are getting ready, to, uh, for instance, to play in majors, and especially the Open in, in, in Britain, they're... they're they're not going to be here playing the John Deere, or not many of them are. So they scheduled a, they, they scheduled the live events against not against the strong tour events, mm-hmm. but against the weaker ones. And and it's a good business decision. And you know, look from what I from what I saw, there was a decent crowd in Portland. Pumpkin Ridge, I think, is is a is a good track, a really uh, very very nice to look at uh, golf course. I thought it went pretty well. I mean, it's a little too rah-rah on the commentary for me, but I do believe that they were there. That Liv is aiming at an audience that doesn't exist right now. It doesn't exist because the the three rounds and shotgun starts. Everything, if you watch their broadcast, it's it's all just boom, boom, boom. The pacing of it is is not like your normal tour event, which which there's a lot of time and throwing up grass in between shots and caddies chatting and what you know hands being wiped by towels they don't have any of that they just go action 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 and uh, in fact they have a segment that which is don't blink and uh and which is classic david hill because uh, you know he's a his mind works at a very fast pace <laughs> let's say short attention span tv as we know hey robert I, I promised tiger woods analysis and nobody handles it better yeah. than you got about a minute left realistic yeah. expectations for tiger next week at st andrews I think honestly, if the weather cooperates, and 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 you know, because he's obviously got his got his issues uh, with physical issues, but if it's warm and if uh, and you know, it's a very flat place to walk. It's the easiest place he could possibly uh, play, given his problems with his foot. I think that he's got a chance. Now, does he? You know, do I think he's going to win? No, but I think he could do something. And 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 listen, at this point in his career. That's what we should be looking at. The fact is we're still watching Tiger Woods play. And, look, maybe he, he doesn't win. He shouldn't be a favorite. But if there's anywhere where he can do it, it's there because he doesn't need the distance and he knows how to control his golf ball. And, frankly, you know, he's the best iron player who ever lived, and that place will reward that. So, I mean, I listen, I'm going to be watching. I, do I think he's going to win? I don't really. But I think that he could do something and, and, and surprise us all because that's what he does. He's Tiger Woods. Robert, phenomenal analysis as always. I appreciate our friendship. Thanks so much for making yourself available on a holiday. Really enjoyed the conversation. You got it, mate. Take care. Robert Lucetich, check out the book wherever books are available. I think you know what I'm talking about, but we don't have to plug any specific platform. Unplayable, the backstory on Tiger Woods, and now we have another chapter, and 
Think about even for casual fans because we know there are more people listening right now who root for Tiger Woods than care about the entire sport of golf. Let's just say Tiger, as Robert described, can take advantage of the flat conditions. Look, if I'm running golf, I go old school and say, you know, we had that debate about carts. Coincidentally, Casey Martin, who also was a Stanford grad like Tiger. Tiger didn't graduate, but he did just fine. An alum, a Stanford product. I would be up for changing the rules just to make sure Tiger is relevant moving forward. He's doing this now on, what, half a leg? after he drove down a ravine here in Southern California. If Tiger's playing, and it's a major we're watching, and the dilemma for the Live Tour, and Robert said it well, beyond the gimmicks, shotgun start, the team concept, and no cut. So this is an exhibition. Golf requires you making a cut. That's why it's so unique. Could you find the Live Tour? He was on YouTube Live. I watched some of it, but the graphics were hideous. Far too distracting, but I'm not the demo. I'm 52, and I have a throbbing sciatica. Insert your own joke there. But it's not slowing us down. A lot of energy heading into the final hour of the program, which will be dominated by more Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving conversation, and a Joey Chestnut update. Yes, he is a true American hero. I'm Brian Weber having a great time with you. We're live on the 4th of July. In for Rich, here on The Rich Eisen Show.